Welcome to this podcast about liberty, Carlo and the oral tradition. It is the third in a trilogy of pieces sponsored by the Decade of Centenaries Committee of Carlo County Council, supported by the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gwiltocht, Sport and Media. The earlier recordings include Kevin Barry and the Oral Tradition and Civil War and the Oral Tradition. All three recordings are available on the Carlo County Library website. Thanks to County Librarian John Shortall and his staff for sharing their expertise and time in developing these projects to mark and to archive County Carlo's contribution in Ireland's long struggle for liberty. Even though Carlo and the surrounding counties were sometimes called the Quiet Counties during the War of Independence, Carlo and Carlo people have been central to Ireland's struggle for liberty across the centuries. Not only do the history books testify to the actions of people like Fiac McHugh Byrne, Kevin Barry, Thomas Traynor, Michael O'Hanrahan, Michael Fay, Thomas Keogh, Miley Carroll, Jim O'Toole and others, with the songs and poems of the oral tradition also confirm the strong engagement of the Carlo folk imagination with the struggle for liberty. Before exploring further, it is important to get some understanding of the liberty or freedom that they struggled for. The word liberty is derived from the Latin word liber, which means free. Free from control or restriction, freedom to live as one pleases. Liberty is one of the five inviolable rights of man stated in the American Declaration of Rights in 1774, which underpinned their move from English control and later inspired the French Revolution and indeed the United Irishmen and 1798. The American President Jefferson summed it up I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility to every form of tyranny over the mind of man. The world was moving from the old aristocratic feudal class system towards democratic republican meritocracy. The desire and struggle for liberty tells a story of how one section of society attempted to maintain power and control over others. This struggle for liberty in Ireland was against the oppression of English rule, hence the movement from feudal aristocratic control towards democratic republicanism narrowed its focus and became anti-British, losing sight of the broader potential of true republicanism and democratic freedom. The Normans were not the first to realise the strategic, military and economic importance of the high ground at the confluence of the rivers Barrow and Burren. Archaeology has found evidence of pre-Norman fortification. Before the first bridge was built, sometime after 1286, the fortification controlled the ford that existed at the crossing point. The Celtic name for the area was Cahirloch, Cahar being the Irish for fortified dwelling or citadel, and loch meaning lake. 
Soon after the Normans built their first Mott and Bailey wooden fort on the spot, they built the stone castle and named the town that grew around the castle Cotterlock, the fortress on the lake. The town was founded formally in 1207 and soon after the county administrative system, Carlow, was formed. This included a large part of what is now County Wicklow. Carlock was the de facto capital of Ireland from 1361 to 1374 because it was the Crown Treasury. Its strategic importance controlling the southwest corner of the Pale was well recognised by both Irish and English military leaders. It was attacked on many occasions. Control of the town and castle meant power and control over the north-south and east-west routes through the southwest corner of the Pale. The eastern section of the county, along the western reaches of the Wild Wicklow Mountains and south into Wexford, was a stronghold of free girls and a refuge for rebels. The rich lands of the Barrow and Slaney Valleys were very much in demand by the Normans and subsequently by British adventurers and entrepreneurs, as well as by the remnants of the Irish clans who managed to maintain ownership of their ancient titles and estates. Power and control of these rich lands meant wealth and influence. Ownership of these lands and the workers' dependency on employment thereon may well explain why County Carlow was among the quiet counties during the War of Independence. Archaeological and historical research has taught us the facts that we've just discussed. What such research cannot do is give us an insight into the perceptions of the people who lived in Cahillach, town and county. The oral tradition gives a glimpse into the minds of the people. The vox populi that puts warm flesh and blood onto the cold bones of history books. It was through the oral tradition that so much of our history, culture and heritage was transmitted from one generation to the next. Long before the penal laws drove us to the head schools, we had a well-established culture of oral rather than written communication that was used to archive and transmit history, lore and custom. When it was dangerous or unpopular to talk or write publicly about certain events, when official history was silent, the oral tradition, the songs and stories sung and told around the firesides retold the stories of history as the local people perceived that history. As Diarmid Ferreter observed, songs always fill vacuums that are left by silence. Frank Hart stated, the people in power write the history, the people who suffer write songs. That Frank Hart, the great singer and collector of the oral tradition, recognised the value of the songs and stories that were told around the fireside. Frank Sondara wrote of his father, he was hearing the story of an actual event which occurred during the course of Irish history, all captured in the words of a song, just waiting to be retold. It conveyed real events from a personal perspective rather than the cold and sanitised accounts of history books. 
Queen Elizabeth I realised the influence that the oral tradition exercised in Irish life. We shall never conquer Ireland while the bards are there. She knew how our cultural beliefs and traditions were transmitted from one generation to the next by the songs, poems and stories told around the firesides at social gatherings. So, what do the songs and poems of Carlo's oral tradition tell us about our struggle for liberty, our freedom from power and control of others, not of our choosing? In content, the Carlo texts compare with national texts from the oral tradition. However, in contrast to the national collection, there seems to be less about the tithe or the agrarian agitation than from other areas of the country. Perhaps the number of ascendancy big houses and their dependent labourers across County Carlow might explain that contrast. The Carlow texts focus on the struggle for liberty from the oppression of Britain. There is a narrative of various events with more than a slight bias against Britain and its agents and collaborators. They are clearly pieces of propaganda used to inspire other, newer rebels to the cause. The texts record anger, disgust, bitterness and sadness. They show admiration and awe for the Patriots. Much is made of treachery and of loyalty. The sheer brutality of the oppressive methods used to suppress the native population is depicted. The aloofness of the ascendancy from the hardships inflicted on their nationalist neighbours is described. Stylistically, the Carlo texts show similar literary devices as the national texts. The Ashling was designed by Irish poets to counter the ban on mentioning the name of Ireland. The heroic patriot was seen as the hero rescuing Kathleen, Grania Whale, or the Shanban Vogt from the evil clutches of foreigners. The hero was linked to the pantheon of famous heroes from the past and was depicted as a model or inspiration for a current crop of potential heroes to continue the struggle. The cause of liberty was seen as sacred. Dying for the cause was a form of martyrdom, with consequent glorification in the next life. Links were suggested between the scaffold and the cross. The harp, shamrock and the green symbolised things Irish. Red, the bull, the bulldog and the crown were seen as symbols of Britain. Poet and songwriter PJ McCall captured the spirit of his time better than anyone else. His father was from Clonmore, an area steeped in history and the struggle for freedom, and McCall learned much from his father and from the many distinguished visitors to their house in Dublin. He also would have been familiar with the stories of heroes and of atrocities of 1798 in the South Wexford area when he holidayed there in his mother's home place. His songs, such as Bull of Ogue, Kelly the Boy from Killan, and Follow Me Up to Carlow, told the story of the United Irishmen and the heroic struggle for freedom and equality, as well as the brutal suppression of the rebellion and its aftermath. His work had propaganda value for Fenians and the IRB, lauding the heroic efforts of the rebels of 98 and others who fought from freedom 
triumphant power and control of the English. Unfortunately, the oral tradition is difficult or impossible to trace as far back in time as the founding of our county in 1207 or thereabouts. The earliest piece I have found is P.J. McCall's Follow Me Up to Carlo. This was written in the late 19th century to capture the spirit of the age and as a piece of propaganda in support of Republican and Fenian efforts to shake off the yoke of British imperialism. However, it has become something of an anthem for Carlo and it does contain elements worth noting. In the latter part of the 16th century, a large part of what was to become County Wicklow was part of the County Carlow administrative structure. Wicklow itself became a county only in 1606. There was much scheming and much fluidity of alliances between the rival English rulers and the native clans. Pacts were made and broken, promises and oaths were made and betrayed according to the political whims of the leaders. The O'Byrne clan ruled much of the area between Dublin and Carlow and were as shrewd and manipulative as any other clan or English adventurer. Fiuk was their most noted leader. In 1580, an English force tried to remove him from his secure location in the Wicklow Mountains. He and his allies, including Eustace, Viscount Maltinglass, defeated that force with great loss of life in Glenmalure. Fiuk had many more alliances, betrayals and pardons before finally being cornered in a cave near Kilmilure and killed. The land from Dublin southwards to Clonmore was part of his territory and throughout history was a place of revolt and of safety for rebels until the English built a military road through it for their security purposes. One of his alliances was with Rory Ogamore who in 1577 had unsuccessfully attacked Carlow Castle and was acutely aware of its strategic importance. In the song, McCall builds on the narrative of the 1580 battle. He portrays Fiach as an heroic and unifying leader of the Irish fight for freedom. In truth, Fiach was fighting to maintain and defend his own power and control over his territories. He was as likely to attack and kill other Irish as he was prepared to kill English. The song recognises the importance of Carlow Castle as well as the brutal slaughters of the time. Fieke himself was beheaded in that cave in Glenmalure. It is said that the air used by McCall for the song was in its time the marching tune for Fieke's soldiers. It is to that rhythm that Mary Butler, that well-known singer from Carlow, sings the song for us. Lift my care, rogue your face, rudin' o'er the old disgrace. That black Fitzwilliam stormed your place, drove you to the fern. 
Grace said victory was sure Soon the firebrand he'd secure Until we met at Lenmelor With Fiat McHugh O'Byrne Curse and swear, Lord Kildare Fiat will do what Fiat will dare Now Fitz William have a care Fallen is your star law Up with halbert, out with sword on we go for by the Lord Fiat McHugh has given the word Follow me up to Carlo See the swords at Lenamal Flashing o'er the English pale See all the childer of the gale Beneath O'Barren's banner Rooster of a fighting stock Would you let a Saxon cock Crow out upon an Irish rock Fly up and teach him manners Carson swear, Lord Kildare Fiac will do what Fiac will dare Now Fitzwilliam have a care Fallen is your star low Up with halbert, out with sword On we go for by the Lord Fiat McHugh has given the word Follow me up to Carlow From Tessagart to Clonmore Flows a stream of Saxon gore How great is Rory O'Gomore At sending loons to heydays White is sick, grey is grey Now for Black Fitzwilliam's head We'll send it over dripping red To Queen Liza and her ladies Curse and swear, Lord Kildare Fiac will do what Fiac will dare Now Fitzwilliam have a care Fallen is your star low Up with halbert, out with sword On we go for by the Lord Fiat McHugh has given the word Follow me up to Carlo One of the worst slaughters of 98 happened in Carlow Town, when the attacking rebels were ambushed as they moved through Tullow Street. Hundreds were shot down, others were burned as they tried to shelter in the houses. Many more would have died but for a priest who opened a doorway in the wall of Carlow College, and thus helped many more to escape with their lives. The rebels had been betrayed, and the soldiers were waiting for them. Many more were arrested tortured and killed in the brutal oppression that followed. Bill Nolan of Ballon authored a poem to record the horror and admiration felt by the people. The poem notes the courage of the rebels in their fight for freedom, for themselves and for their children. The Battle of Carlo. Tis the dewy hour of sunrise in the glorious month of May and the heated mist presages summer splendour through the day. Muffled, stealthily in the silence, sounds the noise of trampling feet. Men whose sons are free come marching up the narrow, gloomy street. Do they think what's now the issue 
of this long-awaited day or the agonised emotions of that hour before the tea. Do the redcoats know we're coming and the yeomen still asleep? All depends upon our silence and the vigilance to keep. But the traitor is before them and the sword's already drawn and the peals of musket thunder echo through the reddening dawn. Vain their rally soon tis over, in their hundreds brave they die, and the cabins where they shelter soon in blazing ruins lie. Talk not of their dismal failure, mock not at their courage vain, for today we reap the harvest which they sowed that here were slain. Tales of causes lost seem brightest when the battles bravely fought, freedom's jewel more precious when with blood tis dearly bought. Siskin is near Clonmore, Hackettstown. One of the sad realities of the long struggle for freedom is that the English were supported in many ways by Irish traitors. Sometimes the support was in the form of information. Sometimes Irish men fought at the side of the English. The yeomanry was a militia to which many Irish were affiliated. When the yeomen perpetrated reprisals or acts of suppression on the local people, it was regarded as particularly abhorrent for locals to inflict suffering on their neighbours. In this poem, McCall narrates a scene that was all too common, with the local yeomen burning and pillaging to punish and intimidate families who were suspected of supporting the rebels. He describes how a girl whose father has, has been killed and whose brothers are fighting with Michael Dwyer is horrified to find that her love is one of a party of yeomen that is now burning her home. Her courage is shown when she threatens to shoot him if he does not clear off. She also prays to God to support Michael Dwyer in his heroic struggle for freedom. The struggle for freedom became sacred and the link between the heroic fight for freedom and martyrdom became a norm in the narratives. The melody of the song is unknown to me, so John Candy will now recite it for us as a piece of poetry. I was telling my beads on the granary floor, for our house was a den of yaws. By the gable my mother lay, moaning sore, distraught by a world of woes. For her husband was slain upon Pavery Height, and her sons were away with Dwyer, while our glen seemed the hearthstone of hell that night, with the neighbours' roofs afire. Oh, my grief, when young Shawneen in scarlet red to the top of the ladder crept, and fear not, little Nano, he softly said, thanks to God, my poor mother slept. For I cursed with her holy brown beads in my hand, and I dared them, what can they add? My dear father is slain, my three brothers are banned. See my mother here driving mad. I am past all my fears for no greater woe. 
could my bosom this moment feel than to find my own Shaneen a rough in the yo, scourging Wicklow with fires and steel. My black horse on the lover whose soul was sold to the devil in foul carnew. Be it days, be it years, soon or late his gold shall yet melt in the pit with you. He advanced his right foot to the creaking floor, but I seized a horse pistol nigh, crying, Shawnee, lost Shawnee, pass not that door. If you do, you will surely die. All aghast, he slunk down to the shadowy barn till the yaws marched away from sight, and I saw nothing more of my false, false Sean from that awful summer's night. Heaven help you and strengthen you, Michael Dwyer, for your hand amid Cadian's moss, where your seven brave men gainst a hundred fire made it up from your single loss. It was there Shawnee ended his traitor's part. Ah, God pity his case, I pray, and pursue not the curse of my broken heart on my lover who went astray. In the latter stages of the rebellion, a rebel group was decisively defeated by an English army in what became known as the Battle of Kilcumley in South Carlow. In the aftermath, it was as was the norm, local houses were looted and destroyed in brutal repression. This song tells the story of how one troop of soldiers on their vengeful mission was surprised and routed by four pikemen who were sheltering in the house under assault. The girl of the house, Theresa Malone, showed great heroism, courage and defiance and no little fighting ability in chasing the troopers back to their camp. Her deed is immortalised in folk memory and in this song. Theresa lived to a great age and is now buried in Ballinkillen churchyard. The final line of the song shows how such lore could be inspirational to younger generations. Tony Malone is an All-Ireland champion singer. He's originally from Kildare, but a long-time resident in Carlow, so we'll call him an honorary Carlovian. He now sings this song, part of his repertoire, his large repertoire of traditional songs. Twas in the year of 98, a time of blood and woe, when many's a Saxon quail beneath the rebel's vengeful blow. The English troops were forced to fly like chaff before the gale, when they heard the dreaded war cry of the sons of Granuel. On June the sixth and twentieth, I hear the old men say the battle of Kilcomney was fought and lost that day. The rebels they were routed, though they fought with right good will, and many's the pikeman wandered that night upon the hill. 
The sun was shining brightly on that summer's afternoon. Like burnished gold it listened on each helmeted dragoon. Nine mounted ancient Britain troops stood at John Murphy's gate. They burst the wicket open, no answer would they wait. Four were posted outside, and the other five within. With short delay, their hellish work, those tyrants did begin. Heeding not the women's cries, they struck the ready match, and soon the blazes mounted high from rafters beam and touch. Grimly smiled those bloodhounds on each bearded face a grin, little thinking of the deadly foe that lay concealed within. For of Wexford's bravest boys, when ended was the fray, sought shelter in the barn and hid beneath the hay. The leader of those Wexford boys, he peeped out from the door. Nine English troopers are without, within we've only four. Many is the day we've fought them boys, outnumbered one to two. Another blow for freedom, and the barn door they brush through. Five horses without riders soon were prancing in the yard. The other four, neat whip and spur, were pressing fast and hard to gain the shelter of the camp in yonder vale below. Each head was turned to see if came the pikeman quick or slow. Then stepped and maiden from the house, her hair was raven black. She picked up a trooper's pistol and jumped on a horse's back. As swift as e'er a racehorse yet was by a jockey rode. She spurred a noble charger down the valley Ellen road. Until she came beside the stream that ripples by the mill. When turning round she saw full close beside her on the hill. One of those ancient Britain troops commanding her to stand. She gave him ready answer with the pistol in her hand. Or then she dashed o'er ditch and den until she reached the heights where the rebel silent watchfires were burning through the night. Through shady groves and ivy trees the frightened birds had flown when they heard the cheers that greeted Theresa Malone. She sleeps beneath the cold sod in Ballinkillen Chapel Yard. 
she saw the dawning of the day that nothing can retard. She lived till old, she passed away. Peace to her soul, we pray. We have maidens yet, thank God, like her, and plenty here today. A particularly notorious group of loyalists was the Michel Cavalry and Infantry, led by Captain Cornwall. Little mercy could be expected if captured by them. The song tells the fate of a boy who was taken by them and despite the appeals of his heartbroken parents, he was hanged. Violent suppression was a common colonial way of dealing with rebellion. The song, by an unknown author, is like the more famous The Croppy Boy, but this is localised to the South Carlo area. The reference to the Roman boy gives a hint of the religious tensions created by land ownership and the tithe war, both putting undue hardship on the Catholic nationalist people to the benefit of the ascendancy class and their religion. The Hanging of a Carlo Boy A feature of the old songs is that many of them are written to the same melody. I suppose we had more writers than musical composers. We will now hear Tony's version of The Hanging of a Carlo Boy and you will recognise the melody behind it. It was early, early last Thursday night when the martial cavalry gave me a fright to my misfortune and sad downfall I was a prisoner taken by Cornwall. It was in his guardhouse that I was tied, and in his parlour my sentence tried. My sentence passed and passed very low. Unto Duncannon I was obliged to go. As I was walking o'er the mountain high, Oh, who could blame me then for to cry? I looked behind me and then before, But my tender mother I will ne'er see more. When my dear parents heard the news, they followed me with money and clothes. Five hundred guineas they would lay down To see me walk upon free Irish ground. They guarded me well through Boris town. Those bloody orangemen did me surround. The captain told me he'd set me free If I would bring him one, two or three I'd rather die or be nailed to a tree Than turn a traitor to my country In Don Cannon was my lot to die and in Duncannon does my body lie. 
and everyone who does pass by. Praise the Lord, have mercy on the Roman boy. This poem was printed in Wexford in the 1860s. The well-known collector and singer, Paddy Berry of Wexford, gave it to Tony Malone of Kildare and in recent times of Carlo. While the original melody is unknown, the words fit the melody of the Glendalough Saint. However, the piece works well as a poem also. The narrative tells of a fox hunt across the southern part of County Carlo, recording the event that happened in 1799. Sir William Burdett, third baronet of Dunmore, is the master of the hunt. The reference to Michael in the last verse is ironic in that Robert Cornwall, resident in the local big house, was captain of the Michael Cavalry and Infantry and was regarded as a very severe magistrate in his dealings with anyone charged with being a supporter of the rebellion. It is noteworthy that in the year after the rebellion, when brutalities were still being committed against large sections of the population, the ascendancy classes still found time to live normal lives. Clearly, the upper class did not commiserate too closely with the general populace. Aristocracy still trumped meritocracy. Olivia Smith, another Karlovian, is a teacher of English and of drama and is also a stage director. And here is Olivia's version of The Jolly Fox Hunters, the first time the piece has been recorded. The Jolly Fox Hunters. Come, boys, let us follow the fox. No more will be called lazy grunters. We'll hunt him through mountains and rocks, for we are the Jolly Fox Hunters. We'll rise him at six in the morn. I'll hold ten to one that we'll kill him. If Lang gives a blast to his horn, we'll surely all follow Sir William. The last time we met for the chase, at Kilcaltrim the babbies assembled. We drew round that beautiful place. Had Sly Renard been there, he'd have trembled. The red rogue broke Collyhoon copes. We led off with Bowler and Jolly. We brushed him by hills, dales and rocks, and we ran him through hazel and holly. Of the bogs and the brakes we kept clear, but the brooks and the banks disregarded. Dick Lang pushed us on with each cheer. The country all round were sure heard it. Poor Renard, he came to disgrace, for the ducks and the geese felt his ravage. He ran for his life through each place to the beautiful sight of Rock Savage. By the palace of Marley we ran, Ballycrinigan Rock scrambled over, up by Knockamulgary each man went as if he was going to Clover. Like eagles we rose on the hill, all Wexford we saw underneath us, but the rogue was in front of us still, and we hadn't a turn to breathe us. We ran him towards the Blackstairs, where the best horse in Europe would stumble. Mix in it with Bill Garrett's mare, like mountebanks down they did tumble. Then he thought to get on to the rocks, which before us rose up like church steeples. But we snaffled the wily old fox, or we'd have all gone home limp and cripples. Dick Lang blew his horn right stout, and you'd think we were going to Barron. The people so crowded about when they heard he was dead as a heron. 
than like hosiers we footed along. Each sportsman had aired his red jacket. A few of them dropped from the throng, but in Michel they ended the racket. Part of the colonial practice of any empire was to control the thinking of the local population. In Ireland, education was prevented, local culture was sneered at, any action or utterance that might be perceived to be anti-English was regarded as sedition. Symbols of the struggle for freedom were prohibited. Writings or songs that mentioned Ireland and freedom were censored or prohibited. The result was that many of the songs that have survived have done so because they were written and printed in America and brought back by returning emigrants or because they were sung in small, local, social gatherings around the fireplace. The song we're about to hear illustrates much of the above. Eddie MacDonald from Clonmore is well known for his interest in the old culture and in local history. Eddie's mother was an, em an emigrant to America before she returned and married. She brought the text of this song home with her. It was first printed in Boston in 1866. Paddy Lawless of Burris fitted the words to the melody of The Star of the County Down. The song is rich in symbolism. Harp, shamrock, Tara's harp, Grainne Whale. Green was chosen as the colour of the United Irishmen. Red was associated with John Bull. The call is to root out the English and their planters and to plant the tree of liberty in Ireland. Some of the famous martyrs who died for Ireland's freedom are named. Those imprisoned for their part in the struggle are remembered. Eternal recognition is promised to those who join the struggle. It was meant to be propaganda and an inspirational call to arms for the newer generations. When we got the text of the song from Eddie MacDonald, we had no melody. And this is the case with many of the old songs. It was the well-known singer from South Carlo, Paddy Lawless, who linked the text with the old melody, and we can hear Paddy's version now. Ye friends of Irish liberty and sons of Afraid of England's bull, his head, his horns are tamed. Tis but a shadow on the grass, reflected from a tree. So cut the branches, bear brave boys, and plant a Eradicate the Saxon root Which sucks our native soil And takes from us the flower and fruit Of our forefathers' toil We'll till the land whereon it stands and plant another tree whose 
appellation ne'er demands the name of liberty. We don't forget our martyrs dead, Fitzgerald and Yet the last brave heroes gone. Yes, all who in Manchester died upon the gallows tree. Revenge me, boys, their mothers cried, and seek the liberty. Don't forget our brothers dear who are in prison cell who are doomed to suffer most severe where now but hardship dwells condemned by bloody Britain's laws in prison there to be because of seeking for their rights the cause of liberty and now the day is just at hand it o'er the billows sun shines on our lands, its meadows, woods, and lawns, to drive the wolves and lions to their covert all to flee, while Aaron's sons with their swords and guns shall gain the liberty. Green flags fluttering from our stars when liberty we see. We write our martyrs' epitaphs on gold and marble stone. Antares harp that silent sleeps, well strong once more must be. And we will sing while Britain weeps for Ireland's liberty. Oh, liberty and freedom will surely on us for we have set our country free, our own dear Emerald Isle. liberty and freedom implanted there must be. So 
cut the branches, break the roots, and plant the liberty. Oh, liberty and freedom implanted there must be. So cut the branches, break the roots, and plant a liberty. The execution in 1920 by hanging of the young man, a boy, reared in Tombay near Hackettstown and influenced in his beliefs by the strong oral tradition he experienced as he grew was one of the more foolish errors made by the English administration in their effort to again suppress rebellion by brutality. The same tradition helped in no small way to inform the thinking and the beliefs of Michael O'Hanrahan of Carlo, Thomas Trainer of Tullow, and Thomas Kyo of Nakanana, three other seekers of liberty, who were also treated to the same harsh sentence of death, or death, my former comrade's bomb or bullet. The execution of Kevin Barry was a major opportunity for propaganda for the Republican movement. At least 14 songs and poems were written, building on the narrative and adding some untruths to support the propaganda. He was not actually tortured before his execution, but why miss a good opportunity to add to the anger and disgust felt by the people towards the English? And anyway... Throughout history and at the hands of the detective unit in Dublin Castle were not hundreds of others tortured. Kevin was offered bribery of money, a new life and a new career if he gave information about his comrades. He was no traitor. This, the most famous of the Kevin Barry songs, portrays another martyr on the altar of liberty and a role model for the young men of Ireland. This is the most famous of the many songs and poems about our Carlo hero, Kevin Barry. Lee Murphy is from Rathvilly, where Kevin Barry went to primary school, so it is fitting that we hear Liam's version now. And Liam's version, I believe, is one of the best versions we could have. In Mount Joy Jail, one Monday morning, High upon the gallows tree, Kevin Barry gave his young life for the cause of liberty. Just a lad of eighteen summers, yet there's no one can deny as he walked to death that morning. He proudly held his head up high Just before he faced the hangman In his dreary prison cell British soldiers tortured Barry Just because he would not tell The names of his bread comrades and other things they wish to know Turn informer and we'll free you Kevin proudly answered no 
Shoot me like a soldier Do not hang me like a dog For I fought for dear old Ireland On that still September morn All around that little bakery Where we fought them hand to hand Oh, shoot me like a soldier For I fought for Ireland Kevin Barry, you must leave us On the scaffold you must die Cried his broken-hearted mother As she bid her son goodbye Turning to her saying, Oh, mother, do not weep, For it's all for dear old Ireland, And it's all for freedom's sake. Calmly standing to attention, As he bade his last farewell, to his broken-hearted mother Who said grief no one could tell For the cause he proudly cherished This sad parting had to be Then to death walk smiling sweetly That old island might be Another matter for old Ireland Another murder for the crown British laws may crush the Irish But I cannot keep her spirits down Lads like Barry are no coward From their foes they will not fly. Lads like Barry will free Ireland, and for her sake they live and die. When Michael Collins gave his squad the orders to remove the core of the British intelligence unit in Dublin Castle, the British reacted as one might expect with brutal retaliation. They attacked a packed crop park, firing indiscriminately and killed innocent people. It was standard practice, seen also in Amritsar in India and later in Derry on another bloody Sunday. Luke Morrissey, Carlos sportsman, writer and singer, vented his disgust and anger in this poem. We hear how the killers are denounced as criminals and how their action will be remembered with their infamy. The action increased the disgust and anger among people and led to more people supporting the IRA. In this recitation, Olivia Smith captures the emotions of Luke Morrissey's words. On a November day in famed Croke Park, some terrible deeds were done when a criminal gang of black and tans fired on the crowds for fun. A revolver shot from the railway wall was the signal to let go. Then 14 innocent Gaelic men 
on that hallowed spot, were laid low. They were just dirty tools for a dirty job on that sad November day. And it stinks the nostrils of the civilised world, the reporters, they did say. They were largely drawn from criminals with revolting crimes to their names. Oh, they were the men for Sir Greenward's job. Yes, men, with little shame. A football game was in progress when the firing it began. Tipperary playing Dublin. The game was just for fun. Good people fleeing for shelter as the bullets they did pour. But Mick Hogan in the Tipperary goal. His life was now no more. It was a horrific year in our history as the guerrillas roamed our land. But they met their match in many places when the Irish showed their hand. In short, they departed from whence they came. We know they left their mark and the memories will never be defaced of Bloody Sunday in Croke Park. In the month of April 1921, the Carlow Active Service Unit of the IRA was training in a secluded area near Ballymurphy in South Carlow when they were surprised by a force of English soldiers. An informer had been at work. One of the unit, Michael Fay, was shot and it is claimed he was bayoneted also as he lay dying. Eight members of the column were arrested, two escaped. Two non-combatant brothers who had been working on their farm were also shot by the soldiers. Some claimed they were also bayoneted. One man of 62 years went to his well and was shot in the head again by the soldiers. Shortly afterwards, a local man, the suspected informant, was captured by the IRA and executed. The song narrates the events of the day from a local Republican perspective. The treachery was again highlighted. The cruelty inflicted on the wounded Fay is also highlighted, but is at variance with the evidence given by the English officers of the patrol. The song mentions that only four were captured. The unarmed and non-combatant Farrell brothers were also shot, as was Michael Ryan. The conclusion of the song again returns to the theme of the traitor being bribed by English gold. The usual link of the dead with martyrdom for the cause of Irish liberty and the call for a prayer for the dead concludes the song. In this version of the song, written by a Wexford man called Fleming, Mary Butler and Paddy Lawless combine their talents to give a stirring interpretation of the song. From Flanders Plain, across the main, there came a soldier bold who changed his mind, a place to find beneath the green and gold. In England's war he fought till o'er, his name was Michael Fay. By the Barrow Banks he joined the ranks, the ranks of the IRA. Ere the fight began he went on the run, and he sought for the hills to hide. But here and there, bullets in the air Met Faye and his men abide 
From Bagnallstown to Malanagown There came the dead of night But they quietly crept while the people slept To a place they thought was right By the traitor's hand who defiled our land Those rebels will soon be betrayed But the forces of the crown came swiftly down And the guns of those men did raid It been out in the air they were taken unaware Sure they ran for their lives through the bog But he stood and they cried for his blood Oh, he was butchered like a dog What the bullets didn't do, the bayonets cut him through Tis said to be true or not That faith for his life like a man did fight And two of his foes he shot The sun in the sky went quickly by That noon at Malanagown While the victim lay in the blood-sprinkled clay As they haunted his comrades down They searched around till four they found And the rest for their lives got away Though their hearts were glad they were soon made sad When they heard of the death of fame All wrapped in white in the church all night The corpse of the youthless still And those who stayed wept as they prayed Saying blessed by his holy will On some future day where fame met his fate We will build on that gloomy spot A monument of fame and we write beside his name That death on earth was his loss O Melanagown, every heart in our town Will tremble at the thoughts of the day When the bullets like rain brought death and pain To more than Michael fame To Farrell's young who did no wrong They were shot in the line of fire As the corn did it so, they were soon laid long And together those brothers did expire
And all man knew it was little he knew As he wandered his way to the world When he stood for the water in that place of slaughter With a bullet in his head he fell I'm dying, I'm dying, said the old man Ryan, and no neighbour to his aid could go. Till his son so brave ventured out to save, and he hastened to the well below. His fears being least, he rushed for the priest, and awful indeed was his plight. For his father he died at the well side, and it made yet another sad sight. I blame for the fray and that awful day The hand of the traitor boy Oh, for England's gold and those good men told As they fought for the freedom of our rhyme And oh, to heaven let prayer be given for those who were shot by the crown. For the memory of the day will ne'er pass away in the homes of Malanagown. And oh, to heaven, let prayer be given. For those who were shot by the crown But the memory of the day will ne'er pass away In the homes of Thomas Trainer was born in Tullow. He fought in Boland's Mills in 1916. At 39 years of age and supporting a wife and 10 children, Thomas was retired from active service with the IRA, but was asked to carry a revolver to a certain safe house in Dublin. There had been a gun battle near the house when Thomas came on the scene. He was arrested, charged, and after a rushed trial, was executed. His body was interred in the prison yard. His family were denied a request to present the body to them. The remains were reinterred in 2001 in Glasnevin Cemetery, along with the body of Kevin Barry. Two Carlo men, two of the glorious ten. The ballad tells the narrative of the events surrounding his death. It makes the usual associations with the struggle for liberty being a sacred enterprise and presents Thomas as a hero martyr for the blessed cause of Irish liberty. It quotes one of his last wishes when he asked not for vengeance, but to continue the fight for freedom. The last two verses were added by his descendants on the occasion of his reinterment in Glasnevin, when the family finally got possession of his remains to rest him in peace. Thomas Trainer. This is another text that uses the older popular melody of the Croppy Boy. The author is unknown, but the song is sung for us now 
by Lee Murphy of Rathfilly. It was early, early on a Monday morn As the birds all sang in the flush of dawn On a Monday morning on the gallows high Brave Thomas Trainer was led forth to die Led forth to die in his manhood's prime no flag did flutter, no bell did chime But the rosary spoken came sweet and clear From the people gathered round the jail gate near Let my loving wife neither weep nor sigh For Ireland's sake I am proud to die I am proud to die, though my children dear, a father's voice never more shall hear. Fight not for vengeance when I am dead, nor from Judy's path let your minds be led. But fight for freedom, for the cause I die, and place your trust in great God on high. Like music soft on the mountain air, the people's voices rise in murmured prayer. The bolt is drawn tight, the fatal cord. Thomas Trainer's soul is now safe with God. The sacrifice for his land he made, in the prison grounds is his body laid. With the sainted martyrs of liberty, who died that Ireland might be free. And in that jail did his body lay A further price he had yet to pay For fourscore years while all his loved ones died His family's right to mourn denied Then came the day one October morn on his grandson's shoulders he was proudly born To a second plot with great dignity Rejoice with us, at last his spirit's free When liberty was finally taken from the power and control of England it was truly horrible to think that we then engaged in that most terrible of conflicts, Kuga Nagarad, the War of the Friends. Former comrades, siblings, fought against each other with the same intensity as they had fought against the English. Carlo families suffered at least eight deaths directly from the Civil War activity. 
Ned Byrne, Miley Carroll, Thomas Dunn, Tom Keogh, James Lillis, Thomas Nolan, James O'Toole, Eamon Snoddy. Others who died because of illness contracted during the war included Charles Byrne, James Byrne, Thomas Bolton, John Leonard, Thomas Murphy, Sean Nolan, Patrick Quigley. While few songs or poems were written or uttered after the Civil War, Carlo's oral tradition has preserved at least three songs and a poem about one sad incident of that war. Miley Carroll from Kiledmond, Boris, Jim O'Toole from Rathangan, near Rathvili, were two anti-treaty soldiers who were shot by soldiers of the Free State in Sheehan, near Michel. Peter clearly wrote the song, The Shooting at Sheehan, about the incident. The song is a narrative of the event, and it contains similar themes and imagery as the earlier patriotic songs for freedom. The men are portrayed as patriotic heroes who gave their lives for Irish freedom, like their ancestors did in the past. The soldiers who shot them are portrayed as traitors and tyrants. The dead are seen as martyrs to the sacred cause of liberty for the green. Peter Cleary's song about this tragic event is now sung for us by Paddy Lawless. In the county of Carlow Two rebels were sought for Two brave Irish heroes Who loved dear and dear With the guns of the British They lent it Mulcahy they were both assassinated at Carties of Sheen. That beautiful mountain looks down over my show. Its brown heathered valley they often patrolled. At length they were shot by their own native tillers just because they stood loyal to the green, white and gold The priest of the parish at once was informed to proceed to the spot when the battle was over for to raise up to glory the souls of those rebels who fought to free Ireland and were left in their goal. May God bless the curate who mounted his charger and o'er a rough country like a bird he did fly For to mingle their souls In the kingdom of glory Where no traitor or spy may Intend to enjoy The deeds of those rebels Will ne'er be forgotten Ireland united, no one can deplore 
where no high court of justice by Churchill can function for to seize on the cow of the downtrodden And now in deep sorrow your hearts are all broken your faces as dark as a cold winter's spleen for you know you did wrong to vote in the tyrants who sent before God mighty Carl at Sheen Likewise Jim in the battle had fallen with the lead of a Thompson some coward laid him low His noble ancestors In the dark days of Cromwell Wove the green flags of Ireland O'er the hills of Wicklow And now in conclusion With respect for those martyrs All you good Christians while out on patrol Ere you draw near the graves Of Jim Tular, Miles Carroll Say the Lord may have mercy On the dead rebel soul Ere you draw near the graves Of Jim Tular, Miles Carroll Say the Lord may have mercy on the dead rebel soul. When the Civil War ended, healing was necessary to bring together again communities, families, former comrades and friends. One healing action or non-action was the great silence in which little or no mention was made of the events and atrocities that were committed by both sides. The other great healing force was the GAA, where young men from both sides of the Civil War put on the local parish club jersey and trained and played together again. In 1984, to mark the centenary of the founding of the GAA, Tom Williams of Taman wrote a song to note the effects of the war and the role of the association in promoting peace again. The song was passed from the Wexford Singers Club to Carlos Singers. In the song, the sad reality of civil war is reflected, as is the brutality and loss of life of siblings or friends. The extent of the bitterness felt on both sides is recorded. The final verse brings the hope of a new beginning, a return to former happier days when the sounds of young men playing were echoed across the playing fields. Tony Malone has strong links with the traditional singers of Wexford. He's a good friend of many of them. And it is fitting that Tony should sing this song for us since it was written by another Wexford man. A golden corn has not been cut and the meadows overgrown and from the moors of Gortine Quinn 
the pheasant cock has lately flown. The soft red apples lie despoiled on my mother's archer ground, and the setting sun, its short dead on, cast shadows all around. The old folk tend the pastures now, for the young men have all gone. To fight with grief for their belief, twas a bitter feud and long. My brother with his Thompson gun faced me across the moor, and against God's will I shot to kill, my sorrow will endure. At the crossroads where the dancing feet sent echoes down the lane are all silent now, and Manny's the brow is creased with grief and pain. Oh, we'll cross the wide divide and take my brother's hand. Or who was with him when he died by the slain his shifting sand? How can we heal this bitter rift that separates us now? For friend fought friend unto the end, twas a bitter fight and how. Can the hate and fear of yesteryear diminish in our minds? Oh, the civil war was a cruel war to break the ties that bind. But the ash tree lives and its seedlings gives a hope to boy and man. And the GA once more held sway in the fields where the hurlers ran. And the fertile spring a hope did bring, and the fields were tilled again. And the carefree sound from the hurling ground Sent echoes down the lane. Peace. The struggle to escape from unwanted power and control of an alien force was long and painful. Its aftermath still lingers. If we ask the question, what do we want liberty for? The answer must surely be for a just and peaceful democratic society. The poem reflects the sadness, but also the hope for a new era in Irish society. Our final poem is recited by John Candy, the man who wrote it. Peace. So much killing and hatred, it is hard to imagine, as so many lives that were senselessly lost. Though a century may pass, the scars will be left there, 
as each tragic family recount their sad loss. But now that this shadow of war it has lifted, all sides in the conflict must abide by the law. Put aside all their hatred and misguided notions, for a new day has dawned in Aldairn Cobra. Songs and poems from Carlo that you have just heard form part of our rich heritage, a heritage that in times past helped to shape the culture that in turn influenced the younger generations of Carlovians. They add to the historical record and clearly illustrate that Carlo had its own experience of the struggle for liberty and lost its own group of heroes who gave their lives for that noble cause. The voices you heard in the podcast are Mary Butler, John Candy, Paddy Lawless, Tony Malone, Lee Murphy, Olivia Smith and Dave Barron who researched and created the script. Musical director was Ollie Hennessy, recording engineer Sean Hennessy. All are local Carlovians. All the songs and poems used in the trilogy, and many more besides, can be accessed on the website www.fromcarlostreams.ie, which is also available courtesy of Carlo County Library.